Hello and welcome to the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast with your host, Charles Cantu, founder and CEO of Reset Digital. I'm Mike Burbridge, Director of Marketing Futures and the producer of this fair podcast. Today, our guest is Netta Jenkins, Vice President of Global Inclusion for the Mosaic Group and Ask Applications. Netta shared why diversity and inclusion play a pivotal role in innovation and creativity, offered tips for brands trying to make a more welcoming environment, and shared how the next generation will impact the market. So, Netta, tell us about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background and yeah. you know, how you transitioned from you know the independent entrepreneurial side to what you're doing now. So, I'll start way back when. Um, I grew up in a predominantly Caucasian neighborhood called Johnston, Rhode Island. Um, we were the only African-American family in that neighborhood at the time. Oh, fun. Yes. Yeah. And so we experienced a lot of racism, discrimination, mm-hmm. um, two particular incidences that happened um, that really shaped what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. One was my mother being pulled over in our driveway. I was about probably seven years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And the police officer asking her, ma'am, are you lost? She's like, no, I'm in my, like this on my land, right? I didn't say anything, and I don't even think I thought about it deeply when I was younger. Sure. Um, but I just remember my mom saying, well, these are things that, you know, we just face. Yeah. And not thinking about it too much. Then fast forward to age eight, um, this I really remember, uh, a Caucasian woman in my neighborhood spinning in my mom's face and saying, blacks don't belong in my neighborhood. And I remember being so upset and so enraged, but not saying or doing anything. Mm -hmm. Fast forward, I go on to middle school and, you know, I'm hearing different racial slurs and Mm -hmm. really negative things. And I remember going back home to my mother and her saying to me, I didn't bring you in this world to cry about things. I brought you in this world to create change. And it was that piece of advice that my mom gave me that stuck with me throughout my life. And I remember promising myself I will always make sure that I have a voice, Mm -hmm. that I speak up not only for myself, but for other people, for all people. Um, And here I am today. So um, in college, I I started my own business. It was a casting company. And it was really about creating the safe space for women Mm -hmm. to model and act and be artistic in their own form. Of course, that, that's a very hard industry, the entertainment industry. Sure. It's very male-dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was dealing and working with a lot of, a lot of celebrity clientele, mm-hmm. which was challenging. Yeah. Um, and I remember one other casting director saying to me, well, Netta, I don't know how far you're going to get in your company because you know, your, your models don't do extra. Wow. And yeah, and it was male. And... I was like, I would never, ever put, you know, talent in any type of position like that. Like, my sure. whole plan was to protect. That's not the business I'm Yeah, exactly. like, the whole plan is to protect them. Um, but the other part of it was the safe space I was creating for women, some of them were taking advantage of that, too. So I think for some oh, human really beings, yeah. they want an opportunity so bad, and no matter what you tell them, they're like, listen, I'm going to try to get this on my own, and I'll bypass mm. whatever I need to do. And so that was really um, affecting me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, in the beginning, we were doing well. 
in terms of financially, but then we were no longer sustainable. Mm -hmm. I ran my business for about nine years. Um, yeah, <laughs> for a long time. And that was like the sole income there. Sure. Um, and I remember for the last two years, literally not doing anything with my business, mm -hmm. not knowing where to turn. I started looking at opportunities, other like job opportunities. And I'm like, there's no way I look like a failure. I've been running my business. It was super successful. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do now? Um, and then I started looking into consulting mm -hmm. and I said, Hey, if I consult, it'll make me feel as if I'm running my own business and I'm running my own show. So I had landed a role with, at that time, we were formerly known as IAC Applications. Okay. We're now the Mosaic Group and yep. um, Ask Applications. And joined the company in a consulting recruiting capacity. Okay. Because as a casting director, that's essentially what I was doing, recruiting talent, right? Yep. So I'm like, it shouldn't be any different. Mm -hmm. I'll just be recruiting technology talent. Um, and I did that for, I'd say, about a month. And after a month, they said, listen, we want to offer you a full-time opportunity, full-time mm -hmm. job. And I remember feeling the fear, yeah, right? Yeah, that, that, yeah. that fear crept in. I'm like, there's no way I can work for these people full-time. I'm an entrepreneur. This can't happen. And, um, but I also looked at my bank account too. So yeah, a little less peaks and valleys. Exactly. Sure. So I embarked on that and within the matter of three years, I'm now vice president of global inclusion for the company. But the company, the reason why I love them so much is they really value my passion mm -hmm. and not just my passion, but anyone within the organization, they want you to, um, really merge it with the work that you do and be able to share that with the world, mm -hmm. you know? And so having, being an entrepreneur, knowing how to brand and market and just pretty much running my own business and own show, right. um, they wanted me to bring that energy into the company. And I think that's how come I love technology companies so much because it's mm -hmm. really about um, you, you being as innovative as possible, you know, to not yeah. only help the company grow, but also help yourself grow. That's right. So, um, so I'm now in a, you know, a DNI capacity and I love it. It's the very thing that I was doing in middle school and high school, mm -hmm. you know, really creating these inclusive spaces for people, um, and challenging, always challenging people's thought process as well. Yeah. Well, thank you for what you're doing because yeah, it's important you. and you're doing great work and it's amazing to see your ascension. Um, I do want to level set a little bit of around course. the words yeah. diversity and inclusion because yeah. they and, and equity because they all mean different things to a That's lot of true. different people. So it would be wonderful if you could share your definitions, operating definitions of diversity, inclusion, and, and equity. Of course. With diversity, it's really about differences, right? And mm -hmm. so when I take a hard look um, within the technology sector, um, there are a lot of disparities, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a gap and a lack of women in technology, people of color, LGBTQ, differently abled. And so when I think of diversity, I do think about those particular and specific groups mm -hmm. of underrepresented people. Sure. Um, when I think of inclusion, it's really about ensuring that every single person within an organization has a seat at the table and has a voice. So how are we bridging that gap mm -hmm. and ensuring that everyone can be a part of the discussion, the conversation? Yeah. Um, and how do we ensure that their viewpoints are valued mm -hmm. as well? Um, and then with equity, I like to take a look at the systemic gaps, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I've said this before, but who's getting the glamorous work 
and who's getting the office work. So glamorous work is you know, those folks that are um, able to present to executives and leadership, mm -hmm. right? Um, that can really help them excel to the next career. Right, yeah. Um, office work, those folks are working just as hard, but they're not presenting to those folks. Right. They're not ever really seen. So I think it's really good for organizations to take a hard look at who is getting that work, mm -hmm. right? How do we ensure that the folks that are getting that office work are being exposed just as much, mm -hmm. right? How are we giving them that platform? Are we taking a look at performance evaluation? Are we retooling that? Mm -hmm. Are we taking a look at promotions? How long does it take? I remember speaking to um, a lady on the phone, and she said to me, well, I'm, um, I think she said she's vice president of diversity and inclusion. I've been with my organization for about 30 years. And she was so proud. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's taking you a very, very long time for you to have been in, in that role for about 30 years, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> should be beyond that. You should be a chief DNI officer. Heck, you should have your own business or something else, sure. you know? So it's just interesting, I think, you know, for organizations to really take a look at that. And those are the difference between diversity and inclusion and equity. Tell us a little bit about, because you, you, you skyrocketed to success, <laughs> and that's the shining example that people need to see. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I think the key to that was really about me bringing that business mindset into the organization, mm -hmm. right? So from day one, it was about, okay, I want to make sure that I do great work for the company. I mm -hmm. want for them to be able to see the results, but I also want to be able to speak to those key players mm -hmm. that can help me get to the next level. Right. Right. So, so internal networking. Internal networking. So I want to talk to the CEO. That's right. Manager. <laughs> I want to figure out how can I present to... Um, even at the IAC level, at our parent mm -hmm. company level, can mm -hmm. I present to the CEO? Mm -hmm. Do I have that backing and that support? And I and I did, you know. Mm -hmm. But it took me um, presenting to my CEO first and mm -hmm. connecting with him. I think a lot of the times, people will hear a title, and they get so afraid to reach out to that person, yeah. right? Yeah. And even some of my friends said to me, Nada, you're crazy. Don't do that. You're going to really reach out to the, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I am, you right. know. Right. Um, and I'm also going to make sure that I'm connecting with the people on my team and my hiring manager to continuously let them know what my goals are. Mm -hmm. See, a lot of the times we put a lot um, of blame on the company or the, the hiring manager, mm -hmm. but sometimes we're not the ones that, that are speaking up, right. you know. Um, and a perfect example of that is my younger brother. He called me today and um, he lives in Rhode Island and um, he's about 25 years old and he has a good job, but he's just like, I just feel like I'm failing in my life. <laughs> he's mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm not able to manage my money properly. I've been working at, you know, in this position for such a long time. And I said to him, well, Tyrone, have you asked them for more money? Have you shared with them what your goals are? Well, I think I just need to leave or maybe get a second job. You need to share what your goals you are. Yeah, yeah. And you need to also, I, and I always encourage people, set expectations in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the power and the leverage to do that. Sure. But again, I think fear taps into people and they, they tend to feel like, oh, no, I should be thankful that I have this position. Yeah, you should be thankful, but set those expectations as well so that you have allies and people that want to support you mm -hmm. to help you get to the next level or else you will be stuck in that role.
the past few companies that I've uh, built and sold, um, and even the ones now, I have a philosophy that everyone um, needs to be able to articulate mm -hmm. what it is that they want yeah. and what it is that they want to be doing. Spot on. And in general, when I ask that question, most people look at me dumbstruck, like I hit them with a blunt <laughs> instrument. Yeah. And I guess people are just not in the habit mm -hmm. of doing that. Why do you think diversity is um, such a critical part of innovation? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I can give you a quick story as to why. Um, it, it is so key to have different viewpoints, different perspectives, mm -hmm. races, ethnicities, mm -hmm. um, genders at the table. Um, for this reason, and there was a specific incident that happened within my company. So we have um, a business predominantly based in Minsk in mm -hmm. Eastern Europe, right? Sure. And so the, the uh, population there is not diverse at all mm -hmm. in Minsk. It's not something I want to tackle. And I know also it's not an intentional thing. It's where they, you know, are. Right. Um, but it's predominantly Caucasian. And so... Um, they actually produce all of our ads in okay. Minsk. And so I was taking a look at some of the ads last year, and I'm like, well, there's, there's no diversity in here. And I knew it was an intentional thing, right, sure. right? Because they're the ones producing it, and that's all that they have there. Right. What you see is what you get. Yeah, what you see is what you get, so it's not <laughs> even intentional. But I'm like, and it, the first question for me wasn't even, oh, DNI is the right thing to do. I looked at it, and I said, are we leaving money on the table because we're not appealing to different demographics? Now, mm -hmm. these ads have been running for some time, mm -hmm. um, but no one really caught wind of it. You know what I mean? And so I think once I had obviously opened up and I shared that with them, everyone was like, oh, yeah. What I do love about the company is they didn't just sit down and say, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll do something about it. Immediately, we started working at it, and we tried to think of ways to merge New York, the folks in New York, mm -hmm. and our men's folks, because we don't want to take the work away from them because sure. they're doing a great job, right. but how do we ensure we, we're getting the diversity? So we, we used um, employees within our organization in the New York City mm -hmm. office, um, which is more diverse, of course. Yeah. It boosts um, employee morale. Yeah. Now, you know, employees are a part of the ads, and, um, and it helps to, to boost that revenue as well. Nice. So it, it's really been um, a beautiful thing to see, but I think the, the biggest part about it is they actually created a role, a particular role for someone in New York to produce some of those videos and partner with the folks in Minsk. Oh, and he's nice. African-American guy. Right. And um, it, it's just such a beautiful thing to see. So I, I tell other people, don't get mad when you see those things. Speak up. Yep. You know, um, and, and I do believe in my heart it was not anything intentional, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, but it's just something that needed to be fixed. Yep. So tell me how you see technology um, starting to play a, a bigger role. It sounds like um, you're that African-American gentleman. Um, is a piece of that, right? Because yeah. creative is so many things, mm -hmm. including technology. Of course. But how do you see technology playing a role in all of this? Oh my gosh, technology is huge, right? It's mm -hmm. it's the future for us all, and I think, I think again, it's it's key that we have different people at the table. Mm -hmm. um, even when we look at like artificial intelligence and we look at data, we have to ensure that. Um, there's representation there <laughs> sure. because that data that's being plugged in will be biased if it's not, mm -hmm. you know, it'll be one-sided. Um, so making sure we have 
folks at the table really um, sharing sharing their viewpoints and their perspectives. I think a lot of the times too, uh, with technology or spaces in tech, folks sometimes are afraid to voice what they need to say. So you may have a seat at the table. So when we start looking at the Gucci ads that came out and what was the other one? Was it Burberry? I don't know, the, the other one. But there's so many of them that have been coming out. Um, I always wonder, like, what if there was diversity, right, at the table? Mm -hmm. What if there were people from different backgrounds? And what if they just were afraid to speak up? Because I've been in spaces where I've actually been afraid to say something. I don't want to be the one to say something that's wrong. Sure. Um, so again, empowering people to speak up um, and merging that with technology is, is, you know, is so key. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, Gen Z, which I, you know, my friends at MASB will be so upset if I say Gen Z. So screenagers <laughs> happen to be the most diverse population in U.S. history mm -hmm. right now. And how do you see that playing out in diversity and inclusion mm. over the future decades and, um, and its impact on business? Huge impact. Mm -hmm. um, I think Gen Xers are... Listen, they are young activists even right now. We see it in, at women's marches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, they are not going to tolerate you know, a lack of diversity. They're not going to tolerate systemic gaps within companies. And ultimately, if companies don't get hit to this, they're not going to have a company. Right. <laughs> These folks are going to be starting their own businesses. And we see it even right now. There's so many young people that are starting their own book companies. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see it every day on LinkedIn, something right. popping up. Um, and so the question for companies is, do you want to be left behind? Right. Or do you want to move forward? And mm -hmm. this, is the, this is the true way to, to move forward. That's interesting. So, so maybe you could help the audience. So you're talking on a platform that has all brands um, across the globe. Tell us how um, those companies and brands and marketers and even their HR departments might be able to prepare themselves for that future and how they might be able to innovate in this way. Yeah, absolutely. I think a part of it is staying away from what I like to call the aesthetic diversity. <laughs> right? So right. aesthetic diversity is just simply bringing people into your company for the look of it. Look, That's right. we look good, right? Mm -hmm. And nothing happens. Bring people in and push them to the top, right? Bring people in so that they are at the top and they have impact and they're making some serious decisions. Mm -hmm. um, I also tell, um, you know, diversity leaders or uh, even CEOs, mm -hmm. ensure that your diversity leader is not just reporting to the HR department, Sure. right? Have them report to you because you have more impact. <laughs> You're the decision maker. That's right. Or have them uh, report to maybe one of the attorneys, you know, along with, I know CEOs are very busy, but that's what I do. It's sort mm -hmm. of like this um, borderline reporting to the attorney and the CEO as well and being able to share, you know, my findings. Um, those are some key, like small steps that they can take right now to, um, to drive some change mm -hmm. within the organization. And, um, and then also, you know, like I said in the beginning, retooling performance evaluation, really taking a hard look at the questions that they're asking 
employees. Um, retooling promotions, taking a look at compensation, like really taking a hard look. That's right. You know, at Make sure that there's corporate compliance Ex versus just you exactly, know, about, yeah, exactly. About. Don't hire someone from an underrepresented group and give them a lower amount and say, but they're here, we gave them a chance. Right. No, no, no. Take a look at their experience level and make sure that it's com comparable to the other person that's in that role as well. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. um, create initiatives that are going to drive real impact. So one of the initiatives that we have is a career switch program. Mm -hmm. There's, I know that there are a lot of folks out there that are focused on the younger generation, and I mm -hmm. think that is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But there's also a, so many people from underrepresented groups that have the experience yeah. that just want a chance, right. just want to get into a, a, a great company, right. um, and they're switching careers. So I think it's key for you know companies to really take a look at that, look at that, and partner those folks with hiring managers that have hiring power mm -hmm. that can become advocates and that can bring them in and hire them. That's yeah. how we've been, you know, really um, on a successful path and mm -hmm. um, giving those folks chances. I think also offering free tech classes, mm. right? I'm like. It's such an easy thing to do. And when yeah. we start looking at socioeconomics, mm -hmm. um, not everyone comes from a background of where they can pay for college right. or where they can pay for a, a boot camp right. or where they can even maybe pay for a laptop, right? Mm -hmm. So if companies want to invest, offer free tech classes. Mm -hmm. Get your um, employees as uh, instructors. Mm -hmm. You know, Have them have some value and an input as well. And be that. a part of this. And it's an easy thing to do. It's something that we're doing as well. Yeah. Um, another initiative that we're focused on, and I know it's going to take a little bit of time, mm -hmm. but it's creating um, you know, an incubator for entrepreneurs mm -hmm. from underrepresented groups that you know, would love the resources. We have so many talented people within our organization that can provide uh, some serious impact mm -hmm. and help for entrepreneurs. We want to be the organization that does that. So there's so many different steps. And it's interesting because when I take a look at, um, you know, large, well-known companies that we all know, like Google and Amazon, mm -hmm. I'm like, they're investing billions of dollars. But then you hear of people walking out and protesting. Right. And that's a great... Um, that's just a great example of aesthetic diversity. We right. are here, but our people are walking out, right? right. right. Now, usually in the program, mm -hmm. I ask a question about diversity and inclusion, but I think we've covered that. <laughs> I think so. That's so. The whole conversation, so right? I think I think we would um, we would be remiss if we didn't ask you mm -hmm. your favorite album of all time and wow. why. Okay. Oh my goodness. I listen to a lot of gospel music. I do listen to Marvin Sapp a lot. Never yeah. would have made it. Mm -hmm. um, definitely come from like a very spiritual background. That's right. And it helps me out with the work that I do as well, just like centering myself, mm -hmm. um, especially when change is not happening so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so so being able to listen to positive music um, and praise the Lord is, <laughs> is always a good thing for me. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I think that's, we'll wrap it up with that. That was perfect. Thank awesome. You, okay, thank you. Right. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast. 
If you have a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear in a future episode, reach out to us at marketingfutures at ana.net. The Marketing Futures Podcast is available on the Apple Podcast Network. Subscribe and you'll get a new episode sent straight to your phone every other week. In the meantime, check out everything else we're up to in the space of trends and innovation at marketingfutures.ana.net.